Welcome to the Vox Pop, a podcast of Missio Day Church. At Missio Day, we believe that everyone has a story worth sharing, and this podcast gives voice to those stories. I'm Brian. And I'm Peter. And we're your hosts. Welcome to the Vox Pop. Well, we're flipping things a little bit today, aren't we, Peter? We are. So today, you are going to be the guest. What? You're in the hot seat. Yes, I am. The congregation gets to hear bits and pieces of your story during many of the sermons, but today we're going to go a little bit deeper into a lot of the stories and situations that may not naturally come up in a sermon. That's all people need is to hear more of me. <laughs> yeah, that's but true. But it's fine. I'll take one for the team, so. Yeah. All right, what you got? Well, let's start way, way back. Way back. Yeah. What was your early life like? Where did you grow up? What was your family like? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm from Tampa, Florida originally, home of the Bucks, home of what's his name the the quarterback of the <laughs> you're asking the absolute worst person for this <laughs> i sure am i realized it as i was saying it <laughs> tom no brady idea. tom brady is now a tampa bay buck oh is that what people have been talking about that yeah. is yeah okay yeah so, i saw like a patriots flag with buccaneers colors yes that is exactly what it's about <laughs> that's what they're talking about yeah yep so yeah grew up in tampa what was cool is my grandparents i have my Dad's parents and my mom's parents lived maybe a mile or two from our house, and they lived a block from each other. So growing up, I mean, all my cousins were there, aunts and uncles, both sets of grandparents. So I could ride, I literally used to do this, ride my bike from my house to my grandparents' house, hang out with them for a while, ride to my other grandparents' house, hang out with them, and then ride home all in one afternoon. It was yeah. so much fun. That's idyllic. Brothers and sisters? Yeah, so I have one brother. He would be about 35 now. Okay. Nick. Shout yeah. out to Nick. I don't yeah. think he'll ever listen to this, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So he's about three years younger than me, okay. three and a half years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was the four of us, uh, mom and dad and, and Nick and myself. Gosh, we did not, I mean, we grew up kind of poor for the first little while. Mm-hmm. I can remember, you know, nights when the landlord would come to the house and uh, we'd have to pretend like we were not home. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, parents didn't have the money to pay the rent at the time yeah. and so a lot of that kind of stuff, but, you know, mostly pretty good childhood, you know, had some really good friends in the neighborhood that I grew up in. And that was until I was 10. So we moved to Asheville from Tampa when I was 10. Asheville at 10. What part of Asheville did you move to? Uh, at first, we moved to River Ridge Apartments mm-hmm. uh, in East Asheville. And I uh, lived there for the first two years, I think, and then moved over to Hawk Creek in mm-hmm. a rented house and then into um, Botany Woods, which is a neighborhood over in uh, Riceville. Oh, yeah. So by the VA hospital. So grew to up, FedEx over there. Yeah. 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 So um, grew up over there all the way through high school and into college. I lived uh, lived over there. Yeah. So does that mean you went to Reynolds? I did. Yep. I graduated from AC Reynolds, go Rockets, yeah. in 99. Yeah. And went to, yeah, went to Oakley Elementary, then Reynolds Middle, then Reynolds High. Uh, met Christina there when we were in high school. So High school sweethearts. Oh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you were like as a middle school and high school student. Well, you know, the first thing, I guess, I remember, this is hard to be on this side it of the mic, hard, isn't yeah. it? It is hard, yeah. I was not a shy kid, but moving here from Florida, you know, my whole world was flipped upside down. So to be, to, to make friends, you know, I, I realized being smart and being funny were Mm -hmm. my, my ways into friendship. Right. And so I worked hard at school. I had been in the gifted program in Florida. And so they didn't have one of those in North Carolina public schools when we moved here. 
So the teachers just decided to move me up a grade in math, Mm -hmm. which was also awkward as a new student. So I would leave my fourth grade class and go to the fifth grade class just for math yeah, and then come back. And uh, that continued all the way into high school. Well, yeah, all the way into high school. I was in AP Calc when I was in 10th grade or something. So it's crazy. But being funny was also, you know, my way to make friends. And Mm -hmm. so um, just, you know, learn to have a quick wit and that kind of thing, but super insecure as well. You know, I was chubby. I had a bowl cut. <laughs> I yeah. remember on the bus, you know, a kid one time asking me if I was a boy or a girl. Oh, you know, you just ouch. don't forget yeah, that, that kind of stuff. That, I know, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, that was my thing, just, yeah. you know, trying to figure out my place in, yeah. in the world. And so, yeah, middle school, high school, very conscientious about what people thought of me. Tried to make a lot of friends, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I, I pretty much would say by the end of high school, like I knew everyone, mm-hmm. at least in my class, you know, 400 and something kids, but I had very few real friends out of that group. Yeah. Yeah. I know because I know you were friends. Um, you were a basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. So how is watching your son Eli develop and, and Ezra, how is watching them develop through athletics? How is that? Well, I was not very good at basketball for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I had a coach who really taught me in eighth grade how to play, how to shoot and and those kind of things. And and then I excelled. And so um, they're both way better than I was at their ages. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, it's it's really fun. Sophie as well, you know, is learning to play basketball. So uh, it's probably the one sport that my wife and I both enjoy mm-hmm. uh, in terms of watching it mm-hmm. and to see all three of them embrace it. And not because we pushed them. I mean, we haven't at all. They just have desired to play. And yeah. so uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've helped coach Eli's team and uh, Ezra's team over the last few years. And that's been a, a ton of fun. But yeah, it's it's really cool watching them embrace it. And I think, you know, they got game. Yeah, it's great. I've enjoyed watching you. Uh, be a good father to them and uh, teach them what you know. Thanks. When you were starting to get to know Christina, y'all have grown up together. You were, yeah, you met when you were in high school. Yeah, it's uh, a funny story. I, I, um, I was in eleventh grade, and Christina had moved to, uh, to North Carolina f- as a military brat. Her parents had retired, and they moved to North Carolina, moved to Asheville. So she was going to Reynolds and. Over the summer, you know, she went to get her classes. She ended up becoming a teacher's assistant for my honors chem class. And so our teacher, for some reason, uh, Mrs. Allen, she thought that we would make a good couple. And which, who, what teacher does that, right? <laughs> so, so Miss Allen, she keeps talking me up to Christina, and Christina is not interested at all. But eventually she kind of gives in. I don't know what, what it was. And so... Yeah, so Miss Allen goes to, Christina's dad was also a teacher at the school. He taught history at that time. Christina's dad is teaching. Miss Allen comes to his room, knocks on the door, interrupts the class, and she says, you know, very quietly, I need your phone number. <laughs> and so he writes it down, and he yeah. gives it to her, and he says kind of quizzically, like, what is this for? And she said, oh, I have a student who wants to call your daughter. Most unprofessional thing. I can't he said imagine this, doing that. Right. And as a teacher now, <laughs> as a teacher now, just imagine another teacher yeah. interrupting you for yeah, that. Maybe I should have. Maybe. So yeah, the most unprofessional thing he said that ever happened uh, <laughs> in his teaching career. But yeah, we started dating uh, in February of February 28th, 1998. So yeah, so started dating in 98 and uh, 
just been together ever since. We're, we're both 17. Wow. And, Are you all the uh, same age? You all the same grade? I'll just say it this way. No, so I was a junior. She was a senior. Okay. But um, I will turn 40 this year, mm-hmm. and we are the same age. <laughs> Very diplomatic. <laughs> so how has been effectively growing into an adult with your wife? Yeah. How has that kind of shaped who you are? Oh, man. Well, I can say this. I mean, she's the best thing outside of my relationship with Jesus. She is the best thing that's ever happened to me. You know, I was I was pretty immature in those days. I mean, we we both, you know, I remember as teenagers, what, who knows anything as a teenager, um, we, we both kind of thought we were more mature or better than the other teenagers that we were around. But, I, you know, I had very lofty ideas and dreams and really no plan mm-hmm. and uh, no organizational skills. And so just you know, her influence in my life has been remarkable. And she really is the one who had a desire. We were both Christians when we met, although neither of us were really walking with the Lord at that time. Mm-hmm. It was really her desire to get back involved in church that kind of turned both of our trajectories, you know, back towards Jesus. And so, I, you know, I kind of shudder to think where I would be, who I would be, had we not met. Yeah. She has shaped my character. She has, you know, been there for me on the darkest of days, you know, just knowing that she's for me and she's with me no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, is is irreplaceable. Yeah. That's so life shaping relationship. Oh, yeah. 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 She's made me a better, a far better man than I would be without her. What was your early relationship with the church when you were, let's say, 10, 10 years old? Sure. So I didn't grow up in church. Uh, a lot of people think that's, you know, that if you're a pastor, you must have just grown up mm-hmm. with it the whole time. But that's not true. I'm, my grandparents on my mom's side went to an independent Baptist church, kind of fundamentalist church. I remember going a couple of times as a real little kid with them. I had some family on my dad's side that were pretty religious. But outside of that, I mean, we didn't we didn't have any anything going on. We always kind of, I always assumed or believed that in God, you know, this is this vague general idea, but we didn't have faith as a family. Mm. So it was not really until, I mean, you know, my dad would much rather watch this old house on PBS on Sunday mornings than go to church. That's just kind of how we rolled. But when I was 15, my dad had gone through a health crisis and um, a job transition. And I think just had kind of a lot of unanswered questions in his own life and, and mind. And so he and my mom started going to a, a small Southern Baptist church near our house. Uh, I remember the pastor, I think it was the pastor and somebody else coming over to do visitation. You know, mm-hmm. I was really weirded out by that. I didn't know what that was all about. Yeah. But, um, you know, over that summer, they kept encouraging my brother and I to go to church with them. And I mean, who wants to go to church when you're 15? Yep. But I, I finally just gave in just to say, okay, fine, we'll go once or whatever. And had heard that the youth pastor, who was a 21-year-old um, there at the time, that he and I had some similarities, some things in common that I thought, you know, well, that'd be cool to talk to somebody who's not my parents about this stuff, you know. And um, and so, yeah, I went, and that was, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was probably only I went maybe to one one to three youth meetings on Sunday night at the church. And just within that span of time, the Lord got a hold of me. I mean, he, I, I remember it being John 3.16, just an explanation of what that meant. And I had heard of John 3.16, but I never had heard it. You'd I seen never, it on the 
yeah, the right. poster and, board and sports behind games, the end zone. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I had no idea what it meant. And so to have someone explain it, and I mean, again, I was not going looking for God. Like that, you know, becoming a Jesus follower was the last thing on my mind. Right. Walking into the church. But I went, and yeah, to hear that Jesus came to die in the place of sinners, that all of us are sinners who need a Savior, that Jesus is that Savior, something clicked. And I mean, I I know now it was the Holy Spirit who was awakening me to those truths, but so I went forward to him after the youth meeting. And listen, there was like four kids in this youth group. I mean, yeah. it was not like a big thing. Mm-hmm. So I just went up to him and I said, hey, um, that thing you're talking about, I think I think I need that or want to do that or whatever. And yeah. I think it kind of startled him or something. What? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, this works. So he went <laughs> and got the, got the senior pastor yep. and they took me upstairs to the sanctuary because yeah. that's where God does his business. I don't know if you knew that, but that's the only place did, God works. Yeah, that is the... Holy yeah. of holies. I mock it now, but I mean, it was a special thing. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so they, you know, he kind of explained the gospel to me again, and they prayed with me, and right there on the, the back row of Berea Baptist Church on Riceville Road, I accepted Christ, and um, from that moment forward, for probably a good six months, every time the doors were open, I was there. Yeah. I mean, choir practice, I was there. I mm-hmm. sang in the choir sometimes. Business meetings, I don't know why I went, but I went, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I mean, all of it. And just just really developed a love for God's people, for the church. Mm-hmm. Within probably a year of coming to faith, my parents ended up splitting up. There was a uh, affair, and they had both stopped going to church. And so, you know, I, I really, the youth pastor got married and moved away, and unfortunately, his replacement was an older man who was the brother-in-law of someone in the church, and it just... There was no connection to those of us who were yeah. kind of vital in the group. And yeah. so without my parents going, without the youth pastor there, and I didn't have any other cr- close relationships within the church, I just decided to walk away and I never walked away from faith. And, and of course, theologically, I believe that's not possible, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't want anything to do with it, the church. I mean, I kind of felt like my life had been ruined, you know, in a lot of ways yeah. over that uh, yeah, six months I'm to sure. a year. There's a lot of pain, I'm sure. Yeah, and and didn't you know? Unfortunately, I did not have anyone to really share that pain with or express that to. You mm-hmm. know, I remember. I mean, my best friend growing up, I didn't even tell for an entire year. Wow, he had yeah. no idea. My yeah. parents were not together, so it's a lot of pride. Yeah. I think in oh, yeah. in back in that time as well, still is. But um, yeah. back, but but that back then, and so yeah, I'm, I would watch TV once in a while. I could watch Charles Stanley on TV, uh, you know, mm-hmm. preaching. And then every once in a while I'd watch Creflo Dollar, who is a prosperity gospel guy. Yeah. And, and I knew at the time, like he was a great communicator, but I was like, his last name's Dollar. Like, yeah. something, <laughs> like this can't be right. Yeah. Um, but I'm compelled, you know? Right, and so yeah. uh, all through that time, I would still watch, I would still pray sometimes, still read my Bible occasionally, but I just, I just wasn't really walking actively with Jesus. Yeah. I think one thing that strikes me about your story of meeting Jesus is kind of this, that God came after you. Oh, yeah. You know? And I think that frees anyone who's interested in evangelism is like, it kind of takes the pressure off. Like, oh, absolutely. Holy Spirit moves, yeah. and like God pursues those that He wants, right? And like, so we're called to sow seed, you know, to like yeah. spread the good news. But it's ultimately, it's not us. It's not us. And yeah. I mean, imagine being that twenty-one-year-old right. youth pastor, you know, yeah. who's just 
I mean, I, I still am in, t- you know, we're friends today on Facebook. I actually ran into him about two years ago at a UNC Asheville basketball game and got to talk with him for a while. Mm-hmm. Doesn't live that far away. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure he would say, you know, at that time, he had very little theological understanding, yeah. you know, you know, very little skill in regards to how to how to pastor. He's just a, just a kid, just a college kid, you know, yeah. who was trying to be faithful and the Lord used it. And, you know, he had no idea at the time, neither did I. I'd become a pastor, you yeah. know, and, and lead my own church. And right. so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a huge encouragement that God's up to his business yep. uh, in and through us regardless, you know. Yeah, we may not see a tenth of it. That's right. Maybe not a hundredth of it. That's right. So at this point in the story, you've you've um, not walked away from faith, but you've walked away from a church community. Yeah. So, and you've alluded to the fact that Christina helped bring y'all back into a church community. Can yes. you describe a little of that? Yeah. So I, I think another key portion of this, which um, I don't know where it fits in the timeline, yeah. but uh, I used to race cars. Yep. So when I was probably, when I, when we moved here, um, 10, 11 years old, went to the Asheville Speedway. You know, my dad worked with a guy who raced there and I just, for whatever reason, fell in love with NASCAR style racing. Um, Were you like 15 at the time? Was that like... So earlier. the first time we went to the track was like I was 10 or 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I just set my mind. You know, when you're a kid at, at the track, they used to let you, you know, after the races were over, go into the pit area, meet the drivers and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And so this guy, David, he happened to win his race and I got to sit in his car, which was still hot and smelled like rubber and mm-hmm. gas and all this stuff. And, you know, as a, as a little boy, you're just like, this is the best thing in the yeah, world. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. So I started racing on my own at Asheville Speedway um, when I was 17. So the the year that Christina and I met was the first year I started racing. Mm-hmm. And I had, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, but I had heard this line from Richard Petty, who is like, you know, the king, yeah, yeah. he's the king of NASCAR. And he mentioned, you know, with that he, when he was dating, you know, his wife, Linda, uh, that he told her, and I was like, well, that's, the king used it, I'll use this line too. Racing is the most important thing in my life. <laughs> And if you try real hard, you can be number two. Oof. So at some point, I used that line. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, you know my wife pretty well. I don't know what about her made her stay with me. Yeah. I mean, to hear someone say that. Yeah. But she did. Do you remember how she reacted at, in I that moment? I don't know. But she didn't slap me, which is what she should have done. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so, I, you know, I had started racing and... So from the time we met, that was like I was doing that on weekends. I was working on the car during the week. Yeah. And so we fast forward to our 20s. So we were both, I think, 20 years old at the time. And she just expressed, you know, I, I just feel like I'd like to go back to church. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. I mean, I did not have that desire at the time, but she did. And I wanted to keep dating her. And so we started attending churches. Now she had grown up with Awana, which is kind of like Christian Cub Scouts. Yep. And uh, so we thought a safe place to start looking because, I mean, I, I, I empathize with people who are coming to faith or coming back to faith or moving to a new town and looking for a church because it was the worst. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, and, and back then the internet was brand new, right? Way back in the 90s. And mm-hmm. so, um, or I guess early 2000s. So it was really tough to figure out what, what churches are legit. So we just looked in the phone book for all the churches that did Awana, or maybe we found it on a website, I can't remember, but we just visited all the churches that did Awana and ended up at New Life 
and you know she started serving and i i was fine with that i mean it was something strange in that time i think the lord was just preparing us both you know drawing us back to himself and so they asked me so she was volunteering on wednesday nights which was kind of a relief to me because working full-time going to college and working on my race car you know and trying to date her yeah having Wednesday nights where she was occupied with something else yeah. was kind of a guilt-free You could night turn wrenches. And... I could turn wrenches, go to the shop, work on the car. Yep. And so uh, we had dinner, I think, with the children's director at the time, and she asked me if I would be interested in helping out as well, just, you know, re- high recruitment, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And of course, I didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. but I did, you know, pray about it. And so they asked me on a Sunday night, the following Saturday, I go to a track up in Tennessee where I'm racing at that time. And uh, in practice, just a fluke deal, a a car spun in front of me. I hit him, crashed really hard and destroyed my car. The front, I mean, just destroyed. Yeah. And you mean, you talk about literally having an idol smashed in front of you. Yeah. You know, and from that day forward, I all of a sudden had Wednesday nights open. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was so so brokenhearted, so dejected, put all my time, money, energy, and all this stuff into this car to make it the best it could. And I was so close to success, you know I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it just all blew up. And so started helping out with third to fifth graders, you know, it took me a month or so to kind of get up the gumption to do it. But Uh um, yeah, the Lord just during that time was super gracious to us to draw both of us to himself and start to, you know, untie some knots that we both had in our personal lives and yeah. And in our theology. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm not quite sure where I was going with that, Peter, but. Well, no, that's good. That's really valuable. So y'all at that point, you were in your early 20s. Mm-hmm. Am I at the right timeline? So Yeah, it was 2001. So we were both 20 years old. Yeah. When did marriage happen? Or when, like, how did you approach, like, thinking about, hey, I would like to get married to Christina? And yeah. So we. We started dating at 17, mm-hmm. and I think we both knew pretty quickly that we were each other's one, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't really believe in that idea, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But but we were pretty confident, like, all right, as long as each other will have us, this is this is what we want. But we were both in college, you know, I mean, after high school, we were both in college, and just, you know, at some point, once you're in, again, we had not been walking with Jesus together, and so when we started back into the church at the age of 20... Of course, you get that question from, other, hey, when are you guys getting married? Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and so it wasn't as much the social pressure as much as it was realizing, okay, we, we've been at this four years now, three, four years. And at some point, as my Nana would say, you got to fish or cut bait. Yep. You know, and where are we going and what do we both really want? And, you know, after the idol of racing was sort of smashed, I started to reevaluate my life and my goals and my priorities. And I said, you know, I want to be with this woman for, for the rest of my life. And so how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And so it was only a few months after we started attending that church. Uh, it was Christmas of 01, I guess. So maybe a year when I decided to ask her to marry me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned college. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we should probably circle back to sure. early early married years as well. But if if you and you probably didn't know at the time that pastoring a church was in 
your future? No idea. So what would, what would have been like, if you were to describe the next 20 years for yourself, what would you have said the next 20 years would have looked like yeah. as a 22 year old, as a 21 year old? Yeah. Well, so there was a lot of, there was a lot in flux in that moment. You know, I, I went to UNC Asheville and uh, my degree is now in management with a marketing concentration. I, you know, I really had thought for a long time, I thought, okay, I'm going to pursue this racing thing. And when I knew the driving thing wasn't really going to work out, I mean, I still think I'm a pretty great driver, Mm -hmm. you know, and if any team wants to call me, I'll suit up right now. Still have my suit, my helmet, my gloves. Charlotte's two hours away. I'm I'm ready to go. But it's such a, you know, I mean, as we talked about with your dreams with, with biking professionally, I mean, it's such a small percentage of the people who get to do that and, Mm -hmm. and actually make a living. The joke in racing is that, you know, how do you make, how do you make a small fortune in racing? You start with a large one. Yeah. And so just knowing that that wasn't going to pan out, I then thought about, well, I could work for a team, you know, but that would require relocation. And I always just had been interested in graphic design and marketing and advertising, that kind of thing. And so that was why, and, and partly when I was in college, I mean, when I was racing, I thought, well, it'll, I'll help, it'll help me to study those things, to learn the lingo when I talk to potential sponsors, you know. And so, but when we finally decided, you know, what, we're going to get serious about this relationship, I started thinking about what my career path was going to be. And I really still had no idea at that time, but I knew it would be a good idea to finish college. And so I decided to keep pursuing the marketing degree. Although as we got more involved in church, I really started having thoughts about going to Bible college. I just started to, and and helping with the Iwana program and learning how to study the scripture and teach it even to, you know, young kids I just decided I, I, I really understood that I loved this. Like I, the yeah. kids seemed to affirm that gift of teaching, and I thought, man, this maybe I should go to Bible college, you know. And it was too late, really, in my mind to transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really the seeds of ministry, kind of being planted, was in those early days, coming back to the church, falling in love with Jesus again, falling in love with the Word and His people, and realizing maybe that's a pathway towards my future. Mm-hmm. Did you have a a mentor at the time, maybe like a pastor there, or was there anyone in your life kind of helping to stoke that fire? In those days, not really. There was a man, once we kind of had got involved, we became members of the church, and we we still were not married. We were engaged, I think, but but were attending regularly and involved. There's a man named Ray Garcia, who was our community group leader, actually had gone on a mission trip with him to New York City after 9-11. And got to know him a little bit and thought, man, I really like this guy. And so I pursued him and just asked him if he would um, meet with me some. But we, you know, as far as I remember, I actually don't think we talked a lot about ministry, but he really was instrumental in helping shape my my pathway as I was thinking about marriage, mm-hmm. you know? And then he, we were in small group with him for a number of years. And um, yeah, I really had a lot of respect for him for, you know, really until we planted and, and kind of moved out of new life. He was a, a large influence in my life. But yeah. not, I didn't have another real mentor, pastor at that time. I mean, the pastor of the church was incredible, but this was all, for whatever reason, just stuff that I was processing with the Lord and hadn't really gained influence or insight from anyone outside yeah. of that. I know there's a little bit of time in between being at New Life and working with the kids, and then you worked with young adults, am I correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. And so we're getting into more recent history. Right? Sure. That was like yeah. 
13, 15 years ago? Yeah, like yeah. So 2004, I actually went on staff at New Life. We had been doing Awana, and then Christina and I started the middle school ministry there. Just saw a need, and I, I just I think I've always been wired in such a way that if I see a need, I will volunteer to fill that need. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, hey, no one's doing this. Do you need this done? Yeah. And so, yeah, there wasn't a middle school ministry. I knew how tough middle school was for me and and is for most people. And so she and I, as we were dating, engaged, started that middle school ministry. When I was finishing up my degree, New Life had built a building. So I put together like a marketing plan for the church to advertise getting moved into the new space. And after that, it was kind of an internship. They offered me a job as operations manager. So at that point, I thought, you know, that'll really give me an an opportunity to learn what it's like behind the scenes in church world. Oh, yeah. And to see if this is, you know, to test this calling, so to speak. And so, yeah, I, I jumped on it, started on staff there in 04, handed off the middle school ministry within probably a year of that. And then there was a young adult ministry that didn't have leadership. And just again, since God prompting me to say, hey, could I step into that? And so as I handed off middle school, started with young adults, and it, it was like, three people who were not, I think it was actually the college ministry at the time, but it was like three people who were not in college, but had no other place in the church. Right. You know? And so I was 24, 25, something in that range. Uh, So I was kind of in the same boat, maybe just a little older than they were and started a Bible study, you know, at one of the elders houses and had a meal and whatever. And God just blessed that. We saw it grow from, I don't know, three or four to like 30, 40 a week. Wow. Um, which was a lot of fun during that, that yeah. time. Yeah. How do you think that uh, that prepared you, that time prepared you for what you're doing now? It was There was a lot of preparation happening there because I was kind of all by myself to do that. And learning how to pastor, learning how to teach, learning how to lead, learning how to organize, and I mean, all that stuff was kind of on me. I didn't have other elders at that time, didn't have a lot of other leaders to lean on. We did have a little leadership team, but, you know, it was it was really a testing ground for, okay, is this, you know, in one sense, the teaching part's easy. I mean, it's not easy, but it's easy because, you know, people show up and you just tell them some stuff out of the Bible and, yep. you know, whatever. It's way more complex than that, but I mean, I'm oversimplifying oh, for the sake yeah. of this. But you know, organizing, shepherding, actually caring for people throughout the rest of the week is is the proving ground, you know? And so going through some really tough situations with people at that time, learning how to counsel people as they're getting, you know, approaching marriage or going through bad breakups or even divorces, that was, you know, it was, it was heavy. There's was a lot of stuff going on during those days, but I, it was great preparation for church planting and for pastoring, dealing with, you know, a bunch of 20-somethings, really, who were all over the place in their spiritual walk and who were learning to trust a community for maybe some of them the first time was really valuable learning for me. And yeah, I I just, I cherish those times. Yeah, absolutely. So was Kurt Hanna, who was the founding pastor of Missio, am I getting the name right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt. So was he at New Life as well at the same time? Or how no. did you develop a relationship with him? Yeah. So I'm going to, let me preface by okay. saying I do not recommend what I'm about to explain. <laughs> so I'd been leading, we had called it Crux, which was another weird Latin name. Um, it's very 2000s. That's like the it? hardest yeah. thing, right? The Absolutely. Crux move. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just, 
somehow it came to me, yeah. you know, and uh, it means cross yep. and or center. And so it's like, oh, Jesus is the center, the cross, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it's the 90s, I mean, the early 2000s and Latin names are everywhere. So anyway, I was leading that and I was actually, and Steve and I've talked about this, Steve Harris, the former senior pastor of New Life. Um, I was getting a little frustrated at the time because I really had a vision for this thing to be more than just young adult ministry. We actually had some folks that were, you know, not in that category of young adults, but were divorcees or whatever who were attending our fellowship. And we really had become a church within a church. So we had a Sunday night service, our own small groups, our own band, our own, all that stuff really operated as a separate entity. But from the platform, he would continue to call it the young adult ministry. And so he and I would have these conversations and I'd say, I just really want it to be more than that. He said, well, why don't you plan it as a church? Which was the first time I really had thought about that and new life had been a plant. And so I was kind of familiar with the idea of planting, but I was petrified because we were a bunch of 20 somethings. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't know if this is really going to work, but I was interested enough and had become aware of the Acts 29 network of which we're a a member now that they had a regional event down in Atlanta and I decided to go down there and, and check this thing out. And so it's at this old church in Duluth outside of Atlanta. So I'm sitting there, and uh, this this guy comes in, and he sits on the same row as me. And during a break in the session, I just struck up a conversation with him. Had heard something, I think, in a question he had asked something about North Carolina. So I said, hey, I think we're the only two people from the Carolinas, you know? And I said, where do you live? And he said, well, I live in Greenville, South Carolina, but I'm moving to this town called Asheville to plant a church. I know Asheville. Yeah. I think I literally said, dude, that's where I live. And so we went, we just at lunch started talking and, and honestly had almost the identical vision for yeah. what a church in Asheville could be. And so I remember he, so that was like a half day event or something, maybe it's longer, but I'm driving home, I'm going up 85, I think it was, and, and the phone rings and it's Kurt. And he says, hey, man, it's just too spooky that we met this way. We need to keep in touch. So that was like 2006, early, like spring of 06. So fast forward a little bit. He moves here in November of 06, and we have dinner, and we're just talking about, is God up to anything here? And we both kind of decided at that time, you know what? I think we'll go our separate ways, but we'll partner together when we can for different things. And that's the direction we were going to go until the spring of 07. I was home. We had had Eli, or my, say my wife had had Eli, yeah. and uh, I was home with her trying to take care of her and the baby during uh, during that first couple weeks. And uh, the phone rings again, and it's Kurt, and he says, hey, um, this is out of the blue. We haven't talked in weeks, you know, maybe a couple months. And he says, hey, I, I really want you to pray about coming with me to plant this church. He said, I, I can't guarantee any money. I don't know what God's up to in this, but I just really feel like you and I should team up. Now, granted, we'd had maybe four hours worth of conversation this entire time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know each other. And so I said, oh, okay, I'll consider that. And so that was March. We started getting together on a regular basis, he and I and another guy that was kind of in the picture at the time. So I, I would have been potential elder number three of this church plant. So March, April, May, June, we're just talking, praying, fasting, getting families together, kind of figuring out what would this look like because we had 30, 40 people come into Crux. Kurt was really just starting to build his ministry and didn't really have many people at the time and who would be the lead and what would it look like and all that. And... um to make a long story even longer, we sat down and had some really good conversation. And I remember praying one night and sensing, I, mean, I don't hear audibly from God, 
but I sensed God saying to me, it would be easy to keep doing what you're doing, but I didn't call you to easy. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, I knew it's time. You know, I got And so I went to the elders of the church and uh, told them, hey, I, I really would love your permission to go plant a church with Kurt. And they said, go for it. Yeah. And I think part of it was, hey, we believe in church planting. And another part was, okay, Scooter, let's see what you can do. Yeah. You know? And uh, so they let me shut down Crux, invite those people to come with us to plant. It was very gracious of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. They kept me on staff for six more months yeah. while I raised support and started a graphic design business. They actually then financially supported us as well. And so we left, I think, officially Crux ended in July of 07. We started getting those people together with Kurt's you know, group that he had formed. And by September of 07, we launched the church. Wow. I mean, and yeah. so I was 26 and Kurt was 29, 30, getting yeah. ready to turn 30. I mean, With we a brand did, new baby and yeah, brand new baby, new business. You know, Kurt had a kid or two by then as well. And I mean, full of naivete. Yeah. But God blessed it for whatever reason. And I mean, it was, again, I don't recommend it because we just didn't really know each other that well. But we did spend quality time together. Like the times we were together were really good. And we, quickly discovered we had complementary gifts. And there's a lot of overlap. I think we're both solid teachers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there was enough overlap in our giftings that we thought, man, this might could just work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy number two had kind of bowed out by that point. So it was really just he and I, Kurt and I. And uh, yeah, so September 07, we launched public gatherings and we were off and running. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. You were talking about strengths and overlapping strengths. Yeah. Um, what kind of but one thing I love about the story of how you helped start Missio is that uh, it seems like the Lord met somewhat naive 20-somethings oh, yeah. with with new babies and a lot of hopes and dreams and vision for what the church could be. And the Lord enabled that in spite of the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is like a weakness that the Lord uses well or has used well? Yeah. A weakness of yours. Of mine. Um, wow. Uh, there's so many, Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I tend to be a gas pedal person. And what I mean by that is um, I want to go now. Like it, once once I decide this is what I want, then I want it to happen immediately. And church planning is just a... It, now, that can be dangerous. Oh, yeah. And I've certainly seen my share of blow-ups from that. Um, but I think one thing that God would use is, you know, the vision for, for whatever it is, you know, the ministry we're going to start or this, you know, that sort of holy discontent about what is and a vision for the future. He uses that, but, and sometimes you need people to just hit the gas, you know? And if we think about it and think about it and plan it and think about it and plan it and think about it, it's never going to happen. At the same time, it's a weakness because you end up leaving people behind Mm -hmm. and I've done that plenty. And so, uh, I think, you know, God has been gracious to put people around me who can slow me down, you know, who can say, hey, that's a good idea, but we can't do it tomorrow. And it's actually, um, Kurt and I talked a lot about this in the past, so he would be okay with me saying this, but it was one thing that uh, about his wiring at the time that that kind of frustrated me being on the other side of it was he was like that too. He was get, like, he and I would talk about an idea 
And I'd think, okay, yeah, well, we should do that next month. And before I knew it, he had already told half the church we're doing it like right. next week. Yeah. You know, I was like, what are you doing? And and I'm the one, because Kurt was all vision at the time yeah. and basically nothing else yeah. in terms of, you know, strategy or implementation. It was up to me to really make sure, okay, how are we going to make that happen? You've already told people we're doing it. Now how do we do it? Yeah. And so I know that I put people in that same position now, even. Yeah. Um, even this podcast, I think I got on the gas a little too hard uh, right. at times. But, um, but you know, God, God has put people around me to help slow me down, and they're gracious to me when, when we do run too fast. Yeah. The picture I'm having in my head is like there's like plants. Yeah. Like a, a bamboo grows really quickly, mm-hmm. but it doesn't last that long. And then, so you need both, like you sure. need it to grow, to get sunlight and energy and yeah. nutrients and stuff. Yeah. I mean, if it was just me, uh, a lot of stuff would have flamed out a long time ago. Oh yeah. That's yeah. basically my story as well. Right. Yeah. I just, I can start projects mm-hmm. like dozens of them. Yeah. Um, and I just need someone to finish all my projects. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> I think this has been a great conversation and we could go on and oh, on yeah. and on for many more hours, but let's do a lightning round. And then we'll close out. All right. So what is your favorite Asheville restaurant? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I love so many of them. I mean, if it's uh, Rockies has to be up there in the top. Uh, it's just so good. What's your heat level? Uh, I go hot. Yeah. So if I get the sandwich, I'll go hot. If yeah. I get the just the tenders, I'll go medium or whatever yeah. is right below hot. But, yeah. yeah. The Rocky but, scale is like on a different level. Brian likes his chicken spicy. <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, what other podcasts would you recommend for the listeners? Oh, man. Yeah, I really, I, How I Built This is one of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. As a church planter slash entrepreneur, um, I love those stories of how people, you know, built and grew companies. And so uh, it's it's on NPR. It's by Guy Raz. It's a great podcast. Yeah, agreed. Okay, time travel. When would you go? Where would you go? Yeah, I I would love to go to like the 30s. I just love that era. I love the clothing. I love the music. Mm-hmm. I love the cars. Um, I just think it'd be a fun time. Well, that is awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Vox Pop. Hope y'all have a fantastic rest of your week. Thanks for joining us. Bye.